We are ex-Overland, and over the past 10 years, my wife and I have established a business doing what we love. Throughout the last 10 years, we have built over 20 Overland vehicles that have taken us and our team around the world as we film our adventures. My name is Clay Croft, and I am the founder and CEO of ExOverland. On this podcast, we take a deep dive beyond what the camera can capture to offer you as much insight into the world of Overland travel as possible. The ExOverland podcast is brought to you by Onyx Off-Road. ExOverland is made up of a team of adventurers who love to explore the world off-road. Every weekend, every month, and every year, find us heading out in our overland vehicles or aboard our favorite motorcycles to challenge ourselves in new places. To find the trails we're after, we use Onyx Off-Road. With just a tap on the map on our smartphone screens, the Onyx Off-Road app provides us with the critical data we need to effectively plan our trips. Trail difficulty, ground clearance requirements, trail openings and closing dates, and even photos of the trail are found on the app. Use the code XOverland to get 20% off your subscription today. Welcome to the XOverland podcast. I'm Jimmy Lewis, and beside me here is Clay Croft and Tanner Johnson, our shop manager. And in today's episode, we are kicking off a conversation about Alaska, The Last Frontier, our newest series. And so, guys, where to begin? I mean, this uh, this series is groundbreaking as far as its success. Um, and I'm guess, you know, at this point, I'm just wondering how you all are thinking about it uh, as far as like, what, what do you think caused that kind of response from our audience, maybe? That's a good question. It's funny to see like a film do so well. I mean, I'm, my, my mind is always on the next film. Yeah. You know, we're working on the next projects. And so, oh, cool, that did really well. That's exciting to see, but I'm, I'm worried about the next one, <laughs> you know? So it's good to come back and like, all right, let's break this down. What, why was it successful? I think it's Alaska. People love Alaska. Yeah. Anything Alaska. Look at Discovery Channel, everything. Half the content's about Alaska. Um, and then I think it had good story. You know, there's a lot to it. There's a lot, you know, we... For me, it was coming back to a place that was important to me, bringing my son with me, returning there. And then for a lot of the other guys, it was a dream come true to go to Alaska. And so like, which I think a lot of people, reson- it certainly resonates with me that way. I would love, you know, before I ever went there, I really wanted to go there. So I think it has a lot of legs for a lot of people. And it's so adventurous up there and beautiful. So it shoots itself. It's pretty, you know, I think there's a lot that made it successful. What do you think? And we also found that all of our fans are up in Alaska. too. (laughs) Yeah, we did find that out. We couldn't go anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere that was populated, we'd stop for five minutes and we were getting surrounded. It seemed like it was gas stations in the middle of the night or this or that behind the, the, Let's do like Costco and all yeah, We had like, to hide. We did, yeah. We'd have to hide to go and buy groceries and stuff. Do you guys, or it'd be there forever. I'm, I'm sitting here thinking maybe that had a lot to do with the first time you went to Alaska Probably. as a team. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's been out for eight years, I think. It was launched in 2013 or 14 is when it came out. But yeah, so I mean, that's been out there a long time. Our longest running series, really, of any note is our first trip to Alaska. So that kind of makes sense. 
Yeah. Yeah. It would seem to me like you guys would be celebrities after that and what you probably did for Alaska itself too. Uh, people must love that. Yeah. Who knows? We'll never know. <laughs> well, I want to go back to like what you said, Clay, about how in the production world for you and Tanner, I would imagine yourself as well, there's just this, hey, we did it. It was awesome, but what's next, right? We're focusing on what's next. And so I'm seeing the podcast as a really useful reflection sure. opportunity um, to, to think and grow from that experience. So, ah, oh yeah, we got to start the hourglass. Yeah. Thank you, Tanner. Tanner. Thank you so the much. Hourglass has begun. <laughs> well, yes. Um, uh, last time we didn't do that, I think we went through several hourglasses. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the question is, hindsight, looking at what we did for production, to reflect on that. Yeah, well, it's, it's not even a question. It's just like I think it's so valuable to be able to reflect. Right? For sure. Yep. And this is giving us an opportunity, giving you guys particular. Right? I, I wasn't there. I really wish I was, <laughs> sure. but it's giving you, you know, you a chance to do that. So, well, we have shot a lot of different films and series over the years. Um, and with Alaska, we paid, it was really fun to do because we paid a little bit more attention to some details. For example, well, all the trucks were new pretty much for that series. We built two new trucks, made them special for that trip. Of course we have intentions for other trips in the future and we were basically test running them. But, uh, I mean, we went down, we paid attention. We, we changed our cameras. We're all now full frame, um, shooting on FX six Sony's, uh, that has a better look to it. It has more of the look that I think all of us wanted for a long time, but you know, technology had to catch up with our desires when it comes to tech and cost, because you could get that same look before, but it was a $50,000 body. And three and, times as big and heavy. And yeah, and huge data yeah. loads. And so, you know, Expedition Overland has always been like riding this technology wave. Like we're always just kind of right in sync with where the tech is benefiting us. It's finally coming into where we can benefit from it. Uh, so that, that happened there. Um, we, we all unified in our clothing, which is important. We talk. Yeah. You can really see that too in the series. So look, that, that gave it a finished look. Yeah. And and that's strategic. You know, a lot of people say like, Oh, why are you all wearing the same clothes or, or this or that? And there's a morale thing to that because you're all issued the same stuff. There's a lot of teamwork mentality that comes with that which only benefits the group. You don't have one individual really that stands out over the other due to gear or this or that. You all are issued pretty much the same stuff. Mm, yeah. Um, and, uh, and it's just that unified feeling of being a, a team is cool and it looks good on camera. So I, I've looked at other series in the past and like, ah, uh, even though we may not have a clothing sponsor or someone that we're working with at the time, it's, and, and we weren't, we were wearing Phil Raven and Sitka Neither one of those is a paid sponsor of ours. We just like the look of it. We like the equipment. Sitka, we have friends at Sitka, and they make amazing gear, and they're right here in Bozeman. So I called them up and said, hey, could we have some rain gear? And they said, sure. So they hooked us up there, which is great. But, uh, yeah, not paid. It was uh, it was all there for team morale and for visuals. Mm-hmm. 
Well, that's, uh, you know, in the pants, I mean, I just have to comment on the pants for a moment, Tanner, like what was up with that? Like, wasn't there a huge response from people like wanting those pants everywhere? I we think went, it's because you guys look them. so good in them. I <laughs> think that, you know, something to do with they it. They make my butt look good. Even just walking around Expo West when we got back, everybody's looking and asking about the pants and I'm like, they're, they're Phil Raven. They're great pants. They're the best pants I've ever owned. Right. But yeah, it's amazing how much they stood out and folks were asking about it like crazy and all the comments and stuff. So I wonder what, uh, you know, so, well, you got rain gear from Sitka, mm-hmm. Clay was saying. And Tanner, I've heard you talk a time or two around the shop about the rains of Alaska. So <laughs> was that a challenge to your production? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it could have been a lot worse. But the big thing was just protecting the camera gear. You know, we had to really change up how we shot. We had to pull out rain sleeves to put on our FX6s, which made handling the camera more clunky. And you had to really know where the buttons were because a lot of times you have your thumb underneath the sleeve and you can't see it. So it slowed it down a little bit. But in the end, it it just added to the look in a lot of ways. It was one of those things yeah. that kind of was frustrating at the time. Your clothes are damp, your bedding's damp, you can't dry it out. But man, when you look back at the footage and the story, it was so worth it. Man, yeah. you were just like amplifying that aspect of the series for me. Like as a viewer, the th- that that theme in the in the in that comes out of the setting and the tone mm-hmm. um, from the clouds and the rain and just that overall Alaska vibe in the summer. Um, it, it really does come through. It's just, it permeates the series. That's, um, that's good. Yeah. It's, it's built in production value. <laughs> yeah. You, know, you can't, you couldn't do it on your own, you know, but you capitalize on it if it's there. Yeah. And it, it really speaks to what we do at XO. That's different from a lot of other, say overlanders with a camera. Sure. Um, you know, the, the film production that we're making, and we're out there really shooting a film of overlanding. Um, and I, I think that comes through really well with this series. And, you know, it's it's made for the big screen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's full, full 4K, color graded sound, a um, lot of spatial sound put into it in the final mix. Uh, it's not perfect, but it was our first stab, even of, honing in the sound qualities and a lot of what's called folly sound effects. Um, and I think it adds a lot of the richness to, we just don't crank these things out. These take forever to make. Well, and not, they don't take forever. We actually really produce them fast. It's just slow compared to most like vlog or any normal YouTube content, but we don't really build it for YouTube. We build it for, discovery channels and Amazons and stuff. So we can take it further down the road and not just be stuck on YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, it really, you know, the quality of, of what goes on the screen is so radically different. Um, and that's because, you know, I look at it like clay craft. Most people know clay craft, the overlander so well. Right. Um, but clay craft, the filmmaker who's putting together these epic films of overlanding, I feel like that's still a part of what we do that that some people don't grasp as well as others, and that maybe the podcast helps to you know explain it gives you a chance to explain that yeah, sure and well we we go to great lengths to put things what's called behind the veil or the you know behind the fourth wall um, people don't if you want a story, 
years ago, I was able to meet with Warren Miller, who is a, a, a famous ski filmmaker. Yeah. Grew up with his films. Loved. Yeah. And I was sitting in this meeting or this, it was up at the Yellowstone club and we we're all sitting around having tea. And <laughs> of course. he was, he was probably, uh, this is five years ago or more. So he's, he's been gone a couple of years now, but, uh, everyone was asking, where's the best place you went skiing? Where's the best this and that? And then it came to my turn and I was like, asking him all these brand building questions and where, like, how did you get this and that and their sponsorships and all. I was like the odd guy in the room, but uh, I, I did ask him and yeah, everyone's like, who's this guy? Does he even ski? Young filmmaker. Yeah, I'm like, I do, but I don't really care about that stuff. How'd you build this brand? How'd you make all that? He made 75 movies. Oh, and that's in like 50 years. What, like like how do you do 80s, that? 80s tech too. I mean, think of that. Yeah, it's pre GoPro, pre drones. It was all film and all the, you know. Yeah. Jump uh, turns were a it? thing on the mountains. <laughs> so anyway, it came to me and I said, okay, I'm, you know, I'm a young filmmaker. I'm trying to make it. You've made all of these movies. What are the, what are the, what's the one thing that you would offer me as, as advice as a. Yeah filmmaker and he said well no one really wants the whole truth and i was like hmm what does that mean you know so i've contemplated that a lot and he's right people want the story people want a story people don't want uh, and the best stories are told in a way that allows you to go into the film and come out the other side with dry eyes because you were so engaged and so you don't talk towards a lot of the camera making or the film process or whatever because it's what we say is it kicks you out of the film it makes you think about the process of the film of making it versus the story that's being told now there's times when it's fun to break the fourth wall or show gear or whatever but it needs to be intentional and so with the alaska series we really focused on that like how do we stay in the film, the story stays in the film and it never breaks. So it has the most depth possible for the viewer. And I think we made some good strides in that, oh, yeah. in that series. Well, I think the, you know, the evidence speaks for itself as far as how people responded. And, and given your approach to filmmaking and what you're doing now, as opposed to the, then, and then being, say, when you were getting started and sure. first going to Alaska, um, not too too uh, far behind or, or, or actually like was it within the same year that you made Baja? It was. Okay. And there are totally different types of series. And so what's going on there? Like the Baja series, I mean, it's successful, mm -hmm. but um, it hasn't just blown up like Alaska. As a filmmaker, uh, what do you think's happening there? Tanner, you've, you know, you could weigh in on that as well. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There was a lot going on with the Baja series. Yeah. It's a dense series. It is. We yeah. were doing a lot. Dense. What do you mean, Tanner? Explain that. Just all the activities and what we did in it. I mean, they're all dense series, but there was a good variety of off-road, adventure, failure, you know, just having fun, a lot of funny moments, scuba diving. I mean, it was a very... Uh, diverse series i guess you could say with different activities and stuff and then we did the home build at the end the home which build was, awesome. was awesome yeah, yeah. so I, 
it was the first big shoot we had done in a while just due to COVID. Yeah. Like the year before I'd done a one month trip with my family, a solo, and that's a totally different type of filmmaking than a three truck, seven man team. So it was kind of, we were getting our gears up and going again, you know, knocking the rust off the, you know, yeah. And by the end, you could tell we were picking up pace. Like mm-hmm. look at the beginning of the series versus the end. And you could see how well we were improving in our filmmaking. Because <laughs> yeah. it's, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we do this, we do that. We, we got to remember how to do this again. Yeah, I remember the introduction to Baja. And, you know, you're you're putting the viewer in your shoes and that, hey, you've probably been cooped up a long time also. You're yep. ready to, to As knock we, the, yeah. Exactly. So I think you, you successfully took the viewer on that journey and inspired people too. Hey, it's time to get out there. Um, and you can do that again. And so speaking to that inspiration, I sometimes wonder if with Baja, mm-hmm. people ha- have a misunderstanding of Baja, a false perception of, of what Baja is like, safety issues, that sort of thing. Whereas when they think of Alaska, they think... U.S., totally cool. I can go there. Um, what are your thoughts on that, guys? You think? You know, you just got to be smart, honestly. I mean, I didn't feel any less secure or less safe in Baja. I mean, obviously, we're with a group that knows what they're doing and they're thinking through stuff. But, I mean, it's just a matter of just being smart and having common sense. And I think you'll be just fine. Yeah. And, I mean, there's a lot of places here in the U.S. that's more dangerous than places down there. Mm -hmm. I hear that, Tanner. Like, I hear a lot of people talk about traveling abroad, and they're very fearful of going to a place like Baja, for example. And uh, it's like they don't give thought to concerns just right here, just domestically. If you didn't travel intelligently here, you could run into some problems in the States. So it's it's more of an approach to traveling itself, I think, right, that uh, a mindset it is a mindset of understanding fear as well. Cause like you're conditioned for the U S you've lived your life, you know, for the listeners in the U S or wherever you're from, you're probably conditioned to live in your country. You're happy there. It's the comfort zone. And then there's this unknown place. And that unknown place is, there's automatically a barrier there. Now I would say the mindset of an overlander loves to break that barrier loves to push through that wall. And the more you do it, the better you get at it, the easier it becomes and it becomes less and less of a thing. You actually kind of crave it. We were. That's why we wanted to go to Baja so bad because we'd been in the U.S. for a couple of years. We've been doing something. We're like, we want to go see somewhere else, experience another place, have a language struggle, you know, play the charades game. And just because it's all part of the adventure. But if you're if you've never done that before, that is scary. Yeah, for most I, people, I believe it. Um, I think you know. I think so, and that's where I've heard you say before. Um, Baja is a great place to go do that for the first time. It in, is. in fact, right? Like it is, as far yeah. as the places you could go that maybe even are more dangerous than Baja, much more dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, Baja is a place where you can cross a border. And get that first border crossing experience as an overlander mm-hmm. and going south. I mean, I guess you could get that going to Canada as well, but there's a little more of a oh, sense of adventure. To there's me. language barriers. The roads are bad. You may not get fuel here and there. I mean, yeah. there's still all those elements that make it like really fun. Right. Less um, developed country. Yeah. Canada is like yeah. easy. 
is on you know it's as developed as anywhere uh, you know America. Right. You know, you could bar- you could barely tell if you were to cross if that border wasn't there, you would hardly know that you changed locations. Except for accents, maybe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> Uh, so nice. <laughs> and the people are so They're nice. They're just so nice. Like Richard Ashley. <laughs> uh, yeah, so, so. I, you know, when it comes to like comparing the films between Baja, which was first, and then Alaska, Alaska just has this, there's like no real barrier to entry psychologically. It's just easy to go there. And that's why it really is a really great place to go for, for your, your first, first trip. That's if, what I'm thinking. Yeah, and I it, bet it is people are, are hearing that. Yeah, but if you've camped a lot and you've traveled and toured a lot in the U.S. and you don't need and you have those skills managing your vehicle, living out of it, and all that stuff, you don't need to go to Alaska first to get more skills. You need to go to Baja. That's where you're going to learn a lot more stuff fast. Yeah, so I, I bet people are hearing that. I hope I hope listeners are here. And is that you know if you're looking for a, a relatively easy, safe way to begin pushing out as an overlander, yep. head south, yeah. and you've got plenty of challenge. You're, you're going to get out of your comfort zone, um, and you're going to get that first, I would say, you know, real experience of get, getting into that foreign land where things are more challenging. Yeah. But uh, also a place that's super fun, right? Oh, man. Yeah. You can spend a lifetime in Baja, oh. just, and people do. <laughs> you know, they go down there every two, three times a year and explore around. Ryan Erickson, who was on our trip, who's he was just down there for three weeks doing stuff on his motorcycle. And yeah, I mean, you could just spend a lifetime going in there. There's so much stuff to go see. That's why I hope I hope uh, listeners, viewers will hear what we're talking about and think. Time, yeah, time to take a look at Baja yeah, in our series. Do you think our series uh, gives people a taste of that? A real like to help a helpful look at how to go do that? I think so. We had about every type of scenario that you could run into happen in that 10 day or that the 21 day trip. So I think not saying that all of those things would happen to anybody else, but if we just happen to get a lot of uh, the experiences that you might get over two or three trips down there all in one, which made it an awesome series and a great learning experience. But, uh, yeah, I would say so. The answer is yes. Yeah, you guys were scuba diving down there and exploring Baja yeah. 1000. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, training up new folks, all, all kinds of stuff. So Yeah, cool. Well, um, I guess I'm wondering about this topic, too, when it comes to both of those series. Because we were earlier talking about challenges in Alaska, and I, I got thinking of all the boys. Um, one, I think that... The whole idea of mentorship is mm-hmm. really prevalent in the Alaska series um, and manhood and coming of age. Yep. And weren't the boys, um, let's see, Peter and Dan. Dan. They're, they were 19 and 17. Cyrus was just turned 16. And, uh, and Peter and Dan were in Baja. They right? were. Yep. yep. And then Cyrus joined for Alaska. Mm-hmm. So for both of you guys, right, as, as men... Um, and in your case, as a father of Cyrus, what was it like being on an adventure like that 
with some young guys, some teenagers. I'm a former high school English teacher too, right? So I've, I saw all those teens and I saw you guys in a space where you could work with them in that way. Yeah. Just thought that was so cool. What are your thoughts, Tanner? It, was, <laughs> it wasn't cool. Because <laughs> it wasn't your boy. And it, it... it was fun. It was definitely, uh, I had to kind of remind myself how to talk to him sometimes and not try to be too bossy and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it was fun. It was, I mean, they have a lot of experience, especially Peter and Dan. You know, they've been traveling for how many years? Six years, Six yeah. years full time with their family and their two Jeeps. And uh, so, I mean, they, they bring a lot of skills to the table, but they haven't traveled with us before. So there's kind of that learning experience for them about like, not being maybe quite as laid back at camp and like, get up, get going. We got to get going kind of thing. And so there's some challenges there. Um, also just getting them to talk to the camera. <laughs> that yeah. was, that was a thing in the beginning, but we got through that. And so it's, that's one of the key things about shooting the shows that we shoot is you got to feed the lens information mm-hmm. or there's just not going to be a story there. So, yeah, I think there's a, validating them and that their story is really important. Mm-hmm. And when you're young like that and you're around other guys that have been doing stuff, you're experienced. And I mean, that's, I could see that could be a little intimidating, but their story is super important. They're the, probably the most important story line of all of us was the young guys learning to do it. Yeah. So giving them the confidence and saying, Hey, we want to know what you have to say. Please tell us. You know, it's, it's worth a lot. So there was a confidence thing that had to come with it. Yeah, I think that that's something that could be a really tremendous learning experience for anybody joining your team, but for a young person in particular, oh. is that you're not just going overlanding, camping, hanging out, recreating. You're making a film. Yeah. Yeah. And it's an A-game production. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so that's good, though. Yeah. The overlanding yeah. part is the easy part. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's the filmmaking that's hard and that that is something that we talk about often online and, and in podcasts like this or whatever that, you know, the, the act of having to make the films for Expedition Overland is very much different than a normal overland trip because of the pressures associated with filmmaking. Sure. Sure. But that's why we're there. When we, when we leave, we always say somewhere in the first few days, like, we are here to make a movie to tell a story. We're not here to build campfires. We want to do that, and that's part of the story, but we are here to make a movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a, a whole shift of headspace for, a, for you know, a young guy, a teenager mm-hmm. who's used, used to going camping, right? Sure. Uh, but I think that's cool because that, that, the maturity bar gets raised. They realize they're part of a production with a lot at stake and a team that's trying to do, uh, create a work of art. An amazing work of art while overlanding, about overlanding. Yeah, I mean that's that's pretty cool. They all came around really good. I mean, by yeah, I remember. Proud of them. I told them once. Okay, before you go off and do anything, come find me and ask me or tell me what you're doing, and I'll decide if I need to go film it or not, or if you need to go film it. Always think. Whatever I'm doing, is it important enough to film? Because that's the whole reason we're there. Like you're saying. If we come back with no footage of this cool adventure we were on, we'll remember it, but that doesn't matter. That doesn't, you know, satisfy 
the sponsors and stuff. So we have to do that. Yeah, it's huge. I, I think it's noble what we do, like, because what Tanner just said, like, we'll remember, you know, like we go out recreationally, we have an amazing experience, but you can honestly say it's, it's kind of selfish. I mean, even it could be enlightened self-interest and that you're out there for yourself for healing, restoration, excitement, whatever. But to attempt to share, you know, to really try to share well what you're doing with other people to inspire them. Yeah. Yeah. That puts like a mission behind what we do. Yeah. And that's where Expedition Overland, the name came to be. Expedition is the filmmaking part. Overland, Overlanding is about the journey, you know, so the it's the expedition to film, to make a movie about a journey. Yeah. You know, and that's how Expedition <laughs> Overland, because they are juxtaposing words, they're not the same. Yeah. Expeditions no, and Overland travel are not the same. It's oxymoronic <laughs> statement. Yeah. So that's where it came from. And, and, you know, for me, I go to all these places and the goal for me at the end of them is to say, we just made our next best film. For me, it's not necessarily to say, oh, we went and traveled all these cool places. I mean, that is an amazing byproduct. And and the overlander in me wants that. But at the end of my life and all that, I want to say, we made that movie. We made that film. We told those stories and it had this impact. So filmmaking is a major driver for me. Yeah, I absolutely can tell that. And Tanner, you're a filmmaker as well. And that, you know, I always see you with the camera you know a lot about that world and maybe people don't understand just how much given that you're also our shop manager. Uh, what are the challenges that, or, or actually, what are, what, what's the excitement you see in the filmmaking process when you're out overlanding on our expeditions? Oh man. Like what, <laughs> what are the things that, uh, you know, get you excited about working with a camera? Honestly, it's, it's, it's kind of like what gets me excited about photography. Cause that's where I came from. I have never done filmmaking until I started working here back in 2019. And honestly with photography, like only about half of the excitement for me is the actual going out, getting the photos or shooting the video or whatever. The second part of the exciting part and what drives me is to see the finished result mm -hmm. and see how the fans and the audience respond to it. Cause for me, that's, that's most of the excitement is sharing it. Agreed. Yeah. Like that's I mean, really the reward of sharing it. Yeah. Like I'll go out and take photos and, it's fun to have that experience and go see a sweet animal or something or amazing landscape, but then it doesn't make as much excitement for me unless I get to get back, edit it, share it and have other people's reactions and let other people enjoy it. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Cause I, I think for a lot of people, even using social media, I mean, I could speak to this myself. Um, the reason I do it and maybe a lot of other people do the same. Just post a, an experience you're having is to share and inspire. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a brag board as much as it is. We're doing this really cool thing and we're trying to share it with people, uh, inspire them, what have you. Mm -hmm. But we do that on a level at X Overland that is to the degree of, you know, to the level of filmmaking itself which is really awesome. The whole business is built around it yeah. to do that. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. exactly. So speaking of that, right, one of, um, one of the statements that really s just stuck with me after watching the new series, Alaska, was it was more philosophy about overlanding. Mm. And you were talking about, Clay, 
you do not return the same person that you left when you go on a overlanding adventure. And in the case of Alaska, you, know, you, you prominently say that toward the end of the series, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering a couple of different things. One is, is individuals, right? Who were you when you left? Who came back? Like, what were some of the fundamental shifts and changes that you felt from that, that experience? Then maybe also, given our talk today about filmmaking as filmmakers, since every new production aims to be the best, right? I'm sure you come away learning some things. Mm-hmm. Are you, uh, yeah, that you want to change or yeah, develop always. for the next time? Yep. Hmm. Well, the, the idea of looking inward on an expedition comes from two quotes uh, that I think about often. One is um, Yvonne Chouinard said, if you go on a trip and leave an asshole and come back an asshole, excuse my French, that's the, that's the quote, then basically that's a waste of your time. You just wasted your time. And then um, Ty Heaps, when we were on the McKinsey, we were coming back on the boat, and he says, adventure introduces a man to himself, which is so true. So t- taking those two ideas, it helped frame the concept of looking inward and you can go and experience the world, but if you never look inward, I mean, what a waste, you know, cause you're going to get to the end of your life and be like, yeah, I did some cool stuff, but I, I it never really improved me as a person. Mm-hmm. So, I, and maybe it's just, my, that's my personality. I want to just do, do everything I can to better and improve myself, you know? Yeah. I think that really comes through. In, in all of the series, ever since you started, yeah, right. This this philosophy of looking inward, um, self reflection, and in the inner journey, right. What does that landscape look like as you are on the external journey of overlanding? And that's one of the things. Like back to Baja here for a moment. Like why you get so excited about crossing borders where you're truly going into an unknown. Mm-hmm. is because of what's happening inside mm-hmm. as you're leaving that comfort zone and the challenges you're facing there. And as Ty said, you know, what you're going to find out about yourself yeah, as you push you're into gonna, those. You're going to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and find out who you are. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I've noticed even since I started working here with that philosophy in mind, I've started to discover things about myself. Um, I'm grateful to be reflecting on and aware of, but, uh, you know, the more you push into those new spaces where there are challenges, uh, the more you discover. And that's such a big part of what overlanding is about for, for, I I think fundamentally, right? Yes. Agreed. So, uh, so how did you come back differently? What's, what's something like, especially maybe with your son? Like being up there uh, with him, like as a father son, maybe how did you guys return? Differently? Our relationship changed. There we go. In that experience, um, we started. I mean, he's only sixteen; he's about to turn seventeen now. But by the end of that, we were able to look at each other, kind of mano to mano, you know, man to man. It was it's starting wow. to come around. Like, okay, we're starting to play on the same field here, and this is cool, you know. That is, I mean, that's the only thing going through a hard thing or being gone from home and working with other six other guys, 
that are there to sharpen him. We didn't give him much leeway. We were, you know, like, guys, come on, you got to stay sharp. You got to get up, get us, get this, do that. You know, like we were, the iron sharpens iron concept was in full effect for three weeks. Man. You know? And then yeah. you got doctors like Dr. John is like, this guy's got his act together. <laughs> He's a combat medic. He's a wilderness fellow, fellow of the wilderness medical Airy Institute. medicine. Like, right. Uh, this guy. Like if John tells you to do something, you'd go do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't question. As nice as he is and as wonderful, the, the guy has so much authority in life because he's got his act together, you know? All true, Clay. However, Tanner, is he a better fisherman? <laughs> uh, evidence says no after all oh. the fish I saw you hold up there on the boat. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, we're still bickering back and forth on text messages about who's a better fisherman. He tries to accuse me of not being able to catch a fish without a guide. And I was like, well, John, I don't remember seeing you catch any fish out there without a guide. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, <laughs> sometimes oh, it's the wise angler who uh, finally admits he needs a guide and gets, gets some assistance yeah, as a former was, guide myself. It was but. shocking how hard it was to just fish random creeks and streams up in Alaska. Like we, It's not like down here where any body of water has life in it we were getting skunked multiple times and it was like okay we we need to actually figure out what's happening here yeah. <laughs> it was getting a little ridiculous we're bad at this yeah, we're, we're not very good at this alaska fishing thing yeah that's it <laughs> that part of it i had a keen interest in just being a passionate fisherman myself and i was like especially that where you know, I think is where the hook went into so John's it, finger. It was John's finger, ironically. <laughs> yeah. It was his own yeah. finger. Yeah. <laughs> Karma. But man, that river looks so good. I'm like, they're going to slay here. I couldn't believe it when I looked at that. And I, I had to fish it too. Like I couldn't, what do you mean you're not catching anything in here? I went out there and fished it. And I'm like, no, yeah, there's nothing in here. This is so weird. Yeah, that, that was the part where, I, Clay, I started to question the angling prowess of both of these guys yeah. and thought, you know, maybe I need to be on the team to teach a <laughs> well, Tanner, where what are some areas that you got sharpened up from mm. that experience? Yeah, Honest, you could probably include Baja too. Yeah, but, I was, yeah, was going to say, not? I feel like the trip in itself was the longest trip I'd been on. And so there's a little bit more sense of discipline that I came out with of just enjoying those moments when I am back home with family and stuff than, you know, instead of just taking things for granted. But in general... Oh man, I feel like the main thing that I've really learned just working here and going on the trips in general is just having a sense of learning from everybody around you. Like, mm -hmm. even if it's something you're really skilled with, you know, there's somebody around you that might know more about it or know something different that you can learn from. One thing I always, I took away from Alaska especially was when we were talking about bushcrafting and survival gear, Ryan was bringing up a really good point of there's no point in having a toolkit of survival gear and fire starting stuff if you never use it until you are in a survival situation. And that can be said about anything on your trucks, recovery gear, you know, anything that you use on your vehicle is why wait till you're in that bad situation to then try to figure out how it all works, you know? So that was my big takeaway is like we I think we went the whole trip starting fires with 
no matches and using our actual like fire starters and survival kits and stuff yeah, like flint and steel and things yeah, like exactly. that. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah, like I don't think I ever saw a well fire that... get lit without that. It was all bushcraft fires. Yeah, it was all bushcraft fires, and it was like that's amazing because it's like it's so easy to have that gear in a truck in the case of a bad situation. But then you're over there starting it with a lighter all the time. It's like, why not use that? It's there to be used. And so that was a big takeaway I had is if you have survival gear, if you have recovery gear, use it. Yeah, and and, and, and that, the practicing part you're talking about, Tanner, can be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. The fun part of the trip, like when your life isn't depending upon it or the lives of others, mm -hmm. and you can be playful with it and, and fail many times and figure it out, it's a lot of fun Yeah, just to, to set that up and go learn how to do it. Yeah, you have the time, you have the resources, why not? So you come back from something like that, you come back with some new skills. It's always fun to like set out, let me see if we can pick up a few new skills. That would be the external part. Um, but what, what I really heard that was impactful to me just now, two things. One, when Clay talked about his relationship with Cyrus changing, and I thought about how if you go overlanding solo, right, that's one thing. You're going to come back a different person. You go overlanding with somebody else or with a team, those dynamics are going to create a difference in that relationship. Could be good, could be not good, could be depending bad. upon how you approach yeah. it, right? But um, the the dynamic of two people or more, and how in this your case as a father and son, right? Uh, being a parent myself, I, I think about that, and that's that's really you know that's a huge shift. Mm -hmm. um, and then Tanner, uh, what you said like about you changed and how you even thought about home, mm -hmm. right? And going away on a big trip makes you appreciate even more what you have at home. Yeah. That, uh, that, that's not, not what I would have expected at <laughs> first, right? Like, I know exactly oh, what Tanner's talking about. I grew in that way. <laughs> Do you actually kind of crave that feeling if you look at it? Like how you, you start to long for home? A little bit, yeah. It's I mean, kind it, of an amazing it feeling. It makes you appreciate the little things when you do get back. You know, I have a tendency to let little things bug me and stuff, but then when you're gone for that long, it's like, man, you just can't wait to get back and be in your own bed with your wife and kid, and it really makes you really appreciate them as well. Yeah, it's even like a, a short local trip. You go away for mm -hmm. three or four days and... You're feeling that, hey, it's good to be home again, like even a weekend reset kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But a big trip, you know, a big overland journey could really make you appreciate those I things. My first time I had that feeling, I, let's see, I just spent six weeks in Slovenia and it was kind of fun and cool. But then I went on my Knowles course and National Outdoor Leadership School. And I was in the wilderness for 30 days sitting on a foam pad. Oh. And I just remembered, I was like, I can't wait to use toilet paper and I'm never going to take for granted a chair, you know, and right. I, I couldn't yeah. wait to get home and just sit in a real chair, you know, and man, that's, that's good stuff. So did you feel that? Did you go straight from Sylvania to the Knowles course? Pretty much. Oh man. Pretty much. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time. I was in Sylvania for a month and then I was home for maybe 10 days okay, tops, which was Not all much. preparations to get yeah. to the Knowles course. And then I was off grid for a month. What was Slovenia like? I've never heard about that. 
experience. I know I was, about Knowles. We've talked sure. about that some. Yeah. So Slovenia was actually my first international trip that I ever did. I was, uh, let's see, was I a freshman? I was a freshman in college, just finished my freshman year, went over there with Campus Crusade or crew is what they call it now. And so it was a, you know, summer's missions trip over there. And man, it changed my life. It changed my life getting out of the U.S. Major language barrier, living in an apartment in another, in a Eastern European country, former Yugoslavia. Uh, you know, and I'm just hitting there on travel. That's international travel. That's where I got bit. That's what I'm thinking. And that, you know, we've talked, we've been blogging about this recently at the heart of overlanding is travel. And I keep reminding myself even, right? Cause I love the trucks and I love the bikes and, and all the equipment, but that that's, those are there as a tool to see the world. Yeah. So you can go and you can travel more effectively, right? Go more places, explore more. And even though I love that part of it, I love the machines and what have you, um, the travel, right. Is that's, that's what it's, that's what it's all about. The, the trucks, the motorcycles, the whatever, the vessel of how you get there is the tangible part that you can touch on every day. But the travel is the nostalgic part. That's where you dream. That's yeah. where you think. And yeah, you're doing all this to get there. And then like the, you know, you think of that, that tool of travel, you know, you be on a motorcycle or in a vehicle, what have you, as a way to travel within yourself too, mm-hmm. internally, right? Absolutely. It, like moving you into those adventurous spaces. Um, so I'm, I'm looking at our hourglass we're actually this is cool doing pretty good doing pretty good so you know we can we can really dive off and philosophize about (laughs) anything we we want to let's get deep let's (laughs) let's go there (laughs) um well yeah and so the last frontier i i think closes with you talking about the frontier is really what's in you what is your frontier inside mm-hmm. that you're pushing out on? Mm-hmm. And so maybe uh, let's look at like how that has, like what that was maybe when you started X Overland or Tanner, when you first came to work here and you know, how has that evolved and where, where is that now? Like what, what is that frontier that's out there for all of us? I should probably try to yeah. self-examine yeah. that one as well. Please do. That's a loaded question. Uh, yeah. It's a good question. Something I think about a lot. Try to. It's useful to think about it, right? Yeah. And it really takes, be... That's a mindset that if you're thinking about it a lot, you actually make ground on it. Yeah. Where Where are the scary places out there that I got to... Inside. Yeah. 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 What's scary around, that, what's around that corner that you never <laughs> look around, you right. know, because you, you don't want to know what's in there. We all have it. Yeah. So putting yourselves in these you know, travel, difficulty, things outside of your control tends to force you to have to deal with those things. Uh, For me, it's always this ego, just fighting ego. Either it's the feeling I should know this. Well, why should you know this? You've never done this before. But my ego says I should. And so then because I have this ego, then I'm not accepting uh, instruction or advice or whatever, because I'm actually just insecure on this or that. 
dude, overlanding just brings that up all the time. You know, especially and, with and, a group of guys all and gals. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it happens in in the, in the ladies' world too. Shelly and I talk about it. Um, so you know, that's for me. Humility. Uh, that's a tough pill to swallow, but you got to have it, especially in leadership. Um, so I always feel like I get tuned up a lot on trips. I have to remember a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, I think Alaska probably brought up, uh, in, in some ways it kind of solidified some things in me. It really brought back the passion for travel, but, uh, and it made me realize again, even after going through a couple tough years with the COVID stuff and the travel restrictions, it made me realize how much I love traveling and being out there. So that was what I walked away from as a positive note. I was re-energized as a traveler and an explorer in a sense, mm-hmm. you know, not the great age explorer type. It's well, just like the, the sense of exploration, you know, for I, myself. I mean, maybe, maybe speaking to that is the challenges of, adulthood and fatherhood and, you know, being a husband, owning land, owning a really successful business with Shelly, um, pushing back on all of that to be able to travel the way, you know, you need to, to, to get that fix, so to speak. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. and to, uh, that's not even, like it, the way you need to, in order to grow. To grow. That's the best way to put yeah. it. Um, to put yourself in that challenging position again. Yes. Often requires, like, the, the frontier maybe is pushing back against all those things in your life that tell you, no, you need to be here doing this. Mm-hmm. And internally, you know, yes, you know, those are my responsibilities, but I also have this responsibility to myself to be growing and challenging and pushing yep. into these areas of adventure I, I know I need to 100%. Explore. Hundred percent, and I'm a firm believer that you're either growing or dying. It is only one of those. You're either getting better and tuning yourself up, or you're going backwards. I like a business in a way. Yeah, I mean, there's really no idle in no. the middle. <laughs> Maybe for a, a day or a week or a month tops, but if it's any longer than that, man, you you've kind of picked a direction. Yeah, yeah. So, and you can change it, but yeah. So anyway, these big trips for me, they they jumpstart me on that stuff. Even in the pre-planning, like we're pre-planning now for other stuff, and it's like, oh yeah, get back kind of like rocket fuel for <laughs> for your truest self. Yeah, Tanner, uh, how about for you? Like, what? Uh, where's the where 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 was that frontier, and you know where where is it now? Mm. What does it look like? I don't know, honestly. I haven't really thought about <laughs> that. Like, where is it out there? <laughs> We probably have to I think about it because yeah. we have to write things. We have yeah. to write about it. We have to tell them narration so it like forces you to be very intro- introspective. Yeah. 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 I, I guess I'd have to think on it, honestly. It's not something I've, and that's something I need to work better on is not just being kind of in the moment. I need to think more ahead and kind of think deeper like that because it's easy for me to just every day I, show up do stuff and it's great and go on the trips and it's a lot of fun i learn things but yeah i i want to try to get better about thinking deeper into stuff like that yeah dude there you go that's i mean there it is right there i guess took a trip to do (laughs) it you know and that uh, i remember the first time that occurred to me and it was in the slovenia trip my big first my first big trip and 
That happened to be when I was 20. I was 20 when I did that. So, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's never too late, huh? It's like starting to think that way is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's, uh, I'm just sitting here realizing like that may never happen for a lot of people. I think overlanding can help a person on that path. Um, and we certainly have experienced that. Um, I, I would say, uh, as Tanner was struggling to come up with his own answer, I was like classic educator move here where you're great at asking questions. Someone's like, well, what about you? You're like, oh man, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, what do you mean? Wait, no, that's, I'm not in that. Um, but you know, I, I think it, at, at where I'm at in life, there, there are a lot of things that are very comfortable that I have taken a lot of work to establish. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. And there are things that I know I really like and the routines I get into that are just healthy and stable comfort zones and some aspects of the comfort zone are healthy, maybe some not so much. But I think the frontier is pushing back against that mm -hmm. in order to pursue my dreams of exploration, adventure um, that come through overlanding and other things that I do. Yeah. And because it will rock that boat, I will have to make some shifts. I will have to let go of some of those aspects of my life, routine parts of my life that are comfortable and enjoyable to go face the unknown. But I feel like that's where that's where the growth is at. That's where tapping into my potentials at, and where I'll see the best things about myself, and maybe the worst. But I mean, it's the I think it's the worst thing ever is to get to your deathbed and never realize your full potential. Hmm. <laughs> you wasted your life if you didn't get, or, or at least a portion of it to some degree, if you never established your best potential. Man. Tragic. tragic. That's a definition a of tragedy. That's a tragedy. You know? It is. And and more than likely, you set the bar for somebody else to do the same because we're all, you know, we're all fathers. Mm -hmm. And guess what? They look to you. So there, there's yeah. a lot of weight to that. There's, there's so much value out of getting out of your comfort zones and stuff. The way I see comfort is that there are some comforts that are critical for maintaining your health. And then, the, and your mental well being and sustaining your lifestyle and your life, you know? Mm -hmm. But then there's other comforts that start to actually drag you down because it takes away those elements that forge us. So, yeah, that's a useful balance. Yeah. I and mean, there, there's uh, nothing wrong with some comforts. Man, you yeah, know, it's yeah, okay. Yeah. Oh, ironically, the comfort zone could be an incredibly Spartan life for somebody. Yeah. Right. But it doesn't mean there aren't other things for them to explore. For sure. Um, other people might benefit from the Spartan. But yeah, I think that, you know, this speaks too to something we keep seeing come up again and again as we create content for overlanding, which is critical thinking, the need for critical thinking. And how overlanding develops your critical thinking skills. Um, and I see that happening in this discussion right now. Yeah. Right? It's we're critically thinking on ourselves. So, well, the good news is, guys, maybe you see this as good news. I, I kind of do right now that you know, the next episode is about trucks. and you know, <laughs> So we get our, to go there, too. <laughs> so we get to go there, too. Cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, but that's uh, anything, any final things you want to discuss before the hourglasses? Because sure. once it's empty, I'm cutting us off. I'm thinking through all the comments that we've got over the years and, you know, maybe some 
things that some uh, listeners would be thinking. Some would be like, man, these guys, these just like way too philosophical. We're just going camping. You know, I just want to go have a campfire stuff. That's okay. You know, and, and if that's what it is for you, cool. Uh, but I see this activity and this lifestyle is far more for me. It does a lot more for me. So that's why I like talking about it in this way. And it, it, it doesn't have to be so deep yeah, for everybody. And that's okay. You know, yeah, that, that it, this is just what it is for me. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. Now that adds up. So yeah. Tanner, that was a huge experience, man. And a great series. <laughs> and you were such a part of it. I, I, in this enviable place sitting here with you guys having gone, but wrapping up, um, any final thoughts or topics you want to discuss about that series? Ah, I think the big thing is just, if you can get up there and see it for yourself, like it was my first time I'd ever been to Alaska and it was incredible. The size of the place, you know, you're so, and I talked about it in the series. You, when you're here, you're used to seeing like a huge mountain range, and saying, oh, yeah, there's a road there and there's a little town over there. But it was amazing, like especially looking at uh, Cook's Inlet when we were on the Anchor Point camp. And you're looking across this inlet and there's a massive mountain range, multiple volcanoes. I mean, a huge amount of country. And there's no roads out there. We were the farthest west you could drive. And that just blew my mind to think about the amount of land that's up there that is unaccessible to a vehicle unless you're off-roading or you're flying it in or what have you. So, you know, it's one of those things you can watch it on TV and read about it, but you just don't realize it until you experience it yourself. And so being my first trip to Alaska, it was incredible. And I can't wait to get back there. Well, that just speaks to overlanding too, like seeing the world through the lens of overlanding and like getting to the road's edge. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's like, this is where the road ends and out there is so much more. Yeah. Gives yeah. you global scale. And you're feeling it and seeing it's palpable because you're right there, like mm-hmm. Tanner's talking about. Um, and that's where this episode ends. You All guys right. All right. good with that? Yeah. Great right with it. All right. Well, that wraps up this episode. We'll see you next time on the X Overland podcast. Take care, folks. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and leave us a review. It really helps. We appreciate your support. And until next time, stay adventurous. Stay adventurous.